present your flaws in a way and present the flaws that builds that connection with your tribe. Not just the flaws for the sake of the flaws. The flaws must build connection with your tribe because you don't need your healing to happen in public. What you're only creating with your flaws or by sharing your flaws is giving permission to people to be okay if they have the same problem. I am Vishen Lakhiani, founder of Mind Valley, the school for human transformation. You're listening to the Mind Valley podcast, where we'll be bringing you the greatest teachers and thought leaders on the planet to discuss the world's most powerful ideas in personal growth for mind, body, spirit, and work. What we're going to focus on today is how can you take from the place that you are at in your transformation coaching or your companies as a business and go to the next level, right? The first thing that we wanted to start with is what I call experience escalation. What does that even mean to start with, right? Experience escalation is basically how can you take the message that you already have, whatever that message is, and really bring in elements that would amplify whatever the message is and really be able to present it to your tribe in a way where they connect, they follow, and they can engage back with you. The principles and examples that I'm going to share during these presentations, you might have seen in action in the real world if you follow Mind Valley, Evercoach, and all these different brands that you truly follow. And I'm going to try and give some examples. I'll also keep it as an open conversation so that at any point you feel you didn't really get what I was trying to say, just raise your hand and I'm going to try and spot you and be able to ask the questions right away and be able to answer those questions right away. Does that sound fair? Say yes. Cool. Thank you. So some things that we know about really creating any marketing or any impact out in the world, right? The first thing that we know, that all of us know, and I'm not going to go dive deep into this element, is that you always want to speak to either people's problems or people's desires, right? Because that's what we are really doing as transformation leaders. We're either transforming them through pain, if they have any particular pain that they're experiencing in life, or we are working with them to elevate wherever they are to wherever they want to go, right? That is a fairly obvious conversation that we always have as we are going into business. Like, oh, what's the problem I solve? Or what's the desire that I meet? Everybody is on point with that, right? Cool, awesome. So I'm not going to go into that, but that's the first step. So if you're not clear on what's the problem you solve or what's the desire that you'll fulfill with your education, coaching, transformation, or any other product business, then that's the first thing you need to discover and you need to go dive deep into. We're not going to do that today, but that's an invitation for you. If you haven't clarified it, please go ahead and do that because that's critical to creating anything from that point. The second point is what I call conversation. You see, if you think about great marketing or great brands that you really follow and love, they don't really come in from a place of saying, hey, buy something from me, right? But that's how we think about our businesses all the time because we get into our heads and we start to think, oh, I need to make money. I need to make revenue. And that, yes, serves our purpose and serves our immediate need, but it never really truly creates a great brand on the long term. If you really want to create a thriving company, you want to create something that impacts millions and millions of people, even thousands of people, you want to think about how can you have more conversations. 
and conversations will lead to conversions, it is something that we skip as a step because everybody teaches how to convert better, right? Yesterday when I asked the question, oh, as coaches, how many of you see the one-step formula that everybody keeps promoting on creating clients, right? You're bombarded with those ads on Facebook. You're bombarded with those ads on any platform that you're at talking about how you can create more clients right now in this moment. Well, yes, you might end up creating some clients in that moment, but that's not going to last very long, which is also why transformation teachers or coaches have a really high burnout rate. Because you could do that for a year, you could do that for two years, but it doesn't create long-term success. What creates long-term success is can we have a conversation? Can we actually make an impact on a consistent basis even if they do not become a customer? There was a study that I did several years ago when I was running Mindvalley. The study that I did with Mindvalley from years ago is we were trying to find out, okay, how much time does a client actually spend with Mindvalley? I mean, how much time do we actually work with a client? How How many years is a client engaged with us? And we found that often what we would find is a lot of our clients would engage with us three, four years before they ever become a customer. They would stay in the ecosystem three, four, sometimes five years before they ever buy anything. And we wondered why would that happen? And we realized one of the big reasons is because irrespective of when you came into Mindvalley cycle, you always were one thing that you were guaranteed is a great conversation. You might not buy anything, but still you will end up getting trainings, content videos, and so forth that were always valuable to you. And so you will end up still staying in the ecosystem, and eventually something will click, and you will go, oh, okay, I trust this company enough, I trust this brand enough, right? So the invitation is not only to think about how do we convert today, but the invitation is how do I build a business that will last 10 years of my life? If you're getting into coaching, transformation, or any business whatsoever, why would you get into a business that only lasts a year, right? Why not get into a business that we so love that we would want to do this 10 years from now, 20 years from now? It'll look different, of course, but we want to do it for 10, 20, 30 years, depending on how long we want to do this for, but at least it's a good enough time. And if that's the reason why you do the business, why not have conversations? Why worry so much about the now and not worry about how we will actually show up in the world, how we will really build a brand, right? So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to give you a few pointers on doing these conversations, some of the elements that you want to think about when you're having these conversations. But know that this is in no way everything because it's impossible for me to deliver everything in 45 minutes, right? But it is something that will challenge you in the way you approach currently the conversations that you have And at the same point in time, we'll give you some ways to actually create them. And I'm going to give you some examples so it becomes clearer and clearer for you on how do you create that in your ecosystem. And like I said, if there's any question at any point, just raise your hand and we'll go into that. Cool? If all say yes? Cool. So first is beliefs. What do you believe in? If I was to ask you, if you follow any particular political association, what are you really following? Or a religion? Right? You're following the beliefs that that particular association has. If you follow Mind Valley, which you do, that's why you're here, what do you really follow? You follow the beliefs of Mind Valley, in a way, right? But what happens when we as transformation teachers and educators and coaches put out content or conversations, we almost always lead with something that's very intellectual, right? But that doesn't create true following. If you want to create true following, if you want to create that connection with people, what would it be that would really create that connection with people? 
our emotions, but emotions, what even more important than emotions is our beliefs. Because think about it like this, and that's why you follow Mind Valley, right? You believe in being unfucked with the world. You believe in rules. You believe in these principles is why you follow Mind Valley. Or any company, look at anybody that you follow. You usually follow their beliefs, and yes, that creates emotion for you, but essentially the belief that's the starting point. What is it that you believe in? Have you ever explored that opportunity of really going, hey, what do I believe about friendships? What do I believe about love? It doesn't matter what you teach. It doesn't matter what you teach because beliefs are not attached to only your teachings. Beliefs are beliefs as human beings. We crave to find people that we believe in and our beliefs are same. We crave to find that tribe that believes the same things that we believe in. And so when we are able to present a belief as a teacher, as a trainer, as a coach, what happens is we naturally bring everybody behind us saying, hey, that's the person that is leading that tribe. Or that's the person I want to be around even if he's not leading the tribe because they believe the same thing that I believe. Right? So that's the first principle. We're going to go into an example to show how can you display your beliefs. We're going to do that in just a minute. Second is power. This is the easy one. You all have and are fully aware of your powers, your superpowers, right? Do you demonstrate that enough times in the outside world as you're communicating and having conversations with them? For example, somebody who's very clear about his power, and he demonstrated that yesterday, is Rich. He came in on stage and he said, the thing that I do best is actually coach. So it doesn't matter. Usually speakers would come on stage and give a talk. He said, I'm just going to coach. Because that's his power. That's his display of his power. He started that conversation with all of you that were in the room at that point. Right? Because you associate now with that power. You know that's what rich stands for. Is that making sense? You follow? Yes? Third is flaws. One of those things that we know that we should be representing, but often get confused with how. Right? We somewhat know that, hey, people associate with us, like we associate with our friends as much as their beliefs, also with their flaws, right? Friends know each other's flaws, they're able to talk about it, they're able to discuss it. But what happens when it comes to trainers and educators, when we talk about flaws, we get really vulnerable, and sometimes it doesn't show up the way it needs to show up. I'm going to discuss that a little bit more when I actually go over the flaws and, and show you how to demonstrate it in a way that creates association and bond with the people that are actually resonating with your flaws. There is a way to actually really discover and work through your flaws and present it so it actually creates a conversation instead of a disinterest. Cool. And lastly is, what are you against? We always think about what are we for? But a great association and a great tribe comes together when you have a common enemy or a common against. Again, I'm not trying to say, make it up. You already are against a few things. You just don't talk about it because we think what the world would say. We don't talk about it because we don't know how people will attack us. We don't talk about it because it is hard to kind of talk about sometimes because these are our very, very core beliefs and we don't know if you want to put it out there in the world to be able to discuss it. But the day you get comfortable with sharing what are the things that you stand against, it allows people, like for beliefs, to come together and say, hey, I agree with you. Let's do this together. Let's fight this evil, this whatever that is, together. 
being able to show and know, first of all, which you know internally, you've probably never thought of it as a business context, you probably know it as a person, as a human being, but you might not have thought about it as a business context, is for you to go, hey, what is it that I absolutely disagree with? Or at least enough disagree with that it needs to change. And the more you know about that, allows you to bring your tribe together and go against that enemy together. Now let's go a little bit more on context of examples because it sounds theoretically, it makes sense, right? Yeah, you have beliefs and you have power, you have flaws and you are against something. But how does that really show up in business? Question, can we get a mic there? In the against, talking about leadership, the putting a team together against something is, I don't know, 80s leadership or something in the, in the leadership books like this. Mm-hmm. Considering like positive psychology, Mm-hmm. I'm asking if that against can be transformed in transformation or something that you want, instead of being against and building it against, mm-hmm. something that you want to join together mm-hmm. and transform to something better or different that you, that you believe. Um, yes, I think what we're catching our, our terminology here, right? The reason why I say against or an enemy is because it's easy to understand that we are going against something. It's not in the same flow as that thing. But let's say if you bring a team together and all of them want to transform that one thing that you're against, well, then it's a transformation conversation and that's what the conversation will look like. But what you are, if you're making a map for yourself saying, hey, what do I stand against? Because that's what we're going to do by the end of this presentation. Like, we are trying to make sure that you actually walk away with a plan. You'll walk away with something saying, hey, this is what I want to kind of stand against in a way, and we're going to go do that in just a minute. The terminology for that, I think it would be easier for us to know that this is something that we stand against, not what we want to transform. Does that make sense? All right. Let's look at some examples, right? So first was belief, right? First we said, we need to find what do we believe in. Firstly, do ask yourself, why have you not shared your beliefs until now? And if you have shared your beliefs, and hasn't worked out in, to the same degree as it has, how can you further break it down to see how to create that resonance with the world, with your tribe, right? So that's an open question for you to answer later. But what I want to do right now is if you haven't really outlined your beliefs until now. One of the things I've realized after conducting well over a thousand interviews with the world's greatest thought leaders in everything from entrepreneurship to spirituality to health and wellness to relationship is that life is enormous And there are so many ways we can make our life better and better in every way, in every single day. If you're successful in just one area of life, you might just suck in another. I've known billionaires whose romantic lives were in shambles. I've known incredibly emotionally intelligent people who just couldn't make money. And that's totally fine. It doesn't matter where you are. Life doesn't have to stay the same forever. You're not cursed or destined to be miserable or unlucky in love or struggling to make ends meet. You were just never thought how to have it all, how to do things differently, how to master the human experience from a mind, body, and soul perspective. This is where Mind Valley membership comes in. When you become a Mind Valley member, you are coached by the greatest teachers in the world. You get to live a life beyond your wildest dreams and learn the best systems, protocols, methods, step by step by step in just 20 minutes a day to get there. You become the man or woman that you've always aspired to be. And this happens in the easiest, most effective way because of the Mind Valley transformational model. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash now. Don't settle for ordinary. Don't settle for your life the way it is now. 
Aspire to step into your greatness. Let's get started on this right away. So, what beliefs do we put out in the world? What are the beliefs that we want to talk about in the world, right? These are some examples. But beliefs that you want to talk about in the world are simply as areas of your life that you're open to discuss. And usually, if you put a category around it, like for example, these are four examples that I put out there because these are easy usually for people to go, what do they believe about in those areas, right? For example, you say, okay, what do I believe about love? Anybody wants to take a stab at it? I believe that every child should be able to grow up in a family that is full of love and sharing and allowing them to live to their full potential and grow into the best being they can be. That is amazing. That's a wonderful belief. Clap it up for her. Now, that's a belief, and I don't know what area of work that you do, but let's say property investing, but that still works. It absolutely works because everybody who is doing property investing or most of the people that are doing property investing have kids, right? They don't have to directly associate with what you're talking about. And that's the confusion that we often have. It's like, oh, but should I only talk about property investing beliefs or can I talk about anything in life? All human beings are multidimensional, right? We are property investors and we are parents too at the same point. Our connection point doesn't have to be with an author or a trainer or a teacher, only in context of what they teach. It could be about everything that is about life, right? Because that actually creates a deeper bond because now they understand a different dimension of you. Because now they understand that you're more than just a property investor or a property manager or whatever the work that you do. So that belief about love, if you make a video, presentation, text, card, whatever that is around that and send it out to your clients and, and present it on social media or however that is your platform is, would allow people to know you more deeper than anybody else, giving you a unique advantage and a unique edge that nobody else in your industry has because nobody is brave enough to say, hey, this is me, the complete me. Not just one dimensional me which only talks to you about numbers, but this is the complete me, right? What are your beliefs about friendships? What are your beliefs about work? What are your beliefs about finances? What are your beliefs about travel? It could be anything, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. Pick the areas. An easy way to get started, if nothing else, is take the 12 areas of Lifebook, or 12 categories of Lifebook, and you can write your belief around all 12 of them. And you just need one belief per category. You don't need many beliefs per category, right? I wanted to give an example is why I wrote the four easiest, usually, for people to kind of come up with. So, first of all, let's take about 60 seconds and quickly make this in your journals and maybe even make a note, maybe write a word or two that will remind you as to what your common belief is or your one really strong belief is around each of these areas. So that way we have some starting point here. Now let's go into the sex one. The sex one? Did I just say sex one? Oh crap, I hope there are no kids in the room now. The sexy one. Now that I can say it, there are no kids, right? Oh, thank God there are no kids in the room because you know how I have to control not to say things because I'm actually very fluid in my language and sometimes very flowery. So yesterday I was like going out, don't say anything because there were kids in the room. Cool. Anyway, so what is your superpower? This is the one that you already are aware of. You know what your superpower is. But do you demonstrate it enough times in different ways? Now, I'm not going to go into how you demonstrate it generally, like coming out with a video which actually explains your superpower or demonstrates it, because that's the part that you know. But I want to share with you a video where you bring it in, irrespective of what conversation you're having and how to present it without even making it look like a superpower. 
So this is a video of Vision on London Real, which was an interview he did. Talk to me about the phrase unfuckwithable. So um, <laughs> unfuckwithable is uh, after I completed this forgiveness program with Dave Asprey, one of the other students that we were doing it with sent us a WhatsApp message and he's like, hey, you got to check this out. And it was an internet meme. We don't know where it came from. I don't know who first coined it, but the word is unfuckwithable. When you are confident and secure in your own self that nothing someone else says or does can shake you. Unfuckwithable. And when you practice forgiveness, it helps you get there. It helps you get there because you heal your relationship with yourself. You heal your relationship with others. But even if something happens that jars you, you know you're going to be able to heal that. So when you're unfuckwithable, you no longer feel swayed by someone else's you no longer need someone else's praise to keep you going. And at the same time, you no longer are turned off by someone else's criticism. So you're immune to criticism, but also rightfully immune to praise because so many of us need that praise. Mm -hmm. And therefore you can live your best life on your terms and do what you need to do without relying on validation or support from other people. The point really is you could demonstrate what you do without actually even talking about what you do, right? What you really saw a demonstration was he uses the, t the belief that he talks about, like unfuckwithable, that was already inbuilt, because that was inbuilt in the question, actually. But other than that, he was demonstrating that he went on a meditation thing, and he went on to, to kind of, he shows how he actually diagnoses and looks at every strategy, which is vision superpower, right? That's how he really thinks is what is attractive about his methodologies are all very scientific, very thought through. And he demonstrates that without even, even talking about that that's a superpower. You want to think about what's your superpower. You want to know what's your superpower. And it's, yes, the techniques that you use to be able to take somebody through a transformation, but it's more than that. It's more than that. For example, my superpower, and you can, by the way, I'll give you an exercise. It's not my exercise, it's by another guy called Dan Sullivan, and I'll come to that. In case you don't really know your inner superpower that really drives everything that you do, all your strategies that you use to transform lives, it's called something unique ability. For example, my unique ability is to be able to look at a very complex thing and break it apart into something really, really simple and make it understandable, even if you really look at the science of it, is very complex. And that's my superpower, which is what I do really well for my businesses or for my clients. Now, how do you actually find your unique ability in case you already don't know it? So this is a simple exercise I did a couple of months ago. I was in a different mastermind group and we were just talking about this concept of unique ability. It's designed by this man called Dan Sullivan. If you haven't studied his work, you totally should. He's an amazing entrepreneur coach. He runs a company called The Strategic Coach. A great place to get started is a program that he created called Pure Genius. I think it's available on nightingale.com or something like that. Just Google it. So one of the things that he talks about is called unique ability. Unique ability is basically you, your unique ability that is beyond what you actually show up in the world for. And the easy way to find that is to send out emails, and I send out to 15 people. You can send to about 15 people that have either worked with you or are friends of yours, people who basically know you more than you would know you sometimes, right? So you send those to 15 people asking a simple question, which is, what do you think is my unique ability? And then an explanation of what unique ability means, right? And you can Google the explanation of unique ability, unique ability, Dan Sullivan, it'll come up for you. And you just send that email and say, would you be interested in letting me know what do you think my unique ability is? Right? And you will see people will pour in responses, and a lot of times it would have nothing to do on what you teach or what you transform lives with. It usually has nothing to do with it. 
And that will give you so much more power because now you know why when you teach works. Me being able to look at a complex thing and make it simple is why my teaching works, not because my teaching is extraordinarily brilliant or anything like that, which is also very brilliant, but you know what I mean, right? I'm just brilliant genius, you know? So, <laughs> so what is it that you are known for? And then let me come to the question. The question that you want to kind of diagnose is what is the power that you're known for? And you want to be able to know that answer because then you want to show up that way again and again and again. Question. Hi, yeah, I just wanted to know if you knew what your superpower was before you did that exercise. Did you have um, any inkling or was it a surprise to you? The one that highlighted was highlighted the most was that I can look at a complex problem and break it apart. And second was, there were three superpowers that came out in that exercise. The second one was that I lead really effectively, that I'm a leader who can lead from behind type of thing and I empower people or whatever, let them do what they need to do and it's a good leadership skill. And third was marketing and business. Right, so those were the three superpowers that came out. I thought my superpowers was business and marketing. And that's what I thought was the only thing that I was good at. I didn't think of the other two, which came up to be actually more recognized and referred to than actually marketing and business. So it was useful for me a lot, yeah. So cool, so that would be a good exercise. What I want you to think about is what is that superpower? And it could be two or three and that's fine, but you wanna know that so you can refer it again and again and you can tune back into it because these notes that you take here, you can always go back to them whenever you feel that you're not getting ahead or you're not just moving the line a little bit for you. When you're feeling like, ah, oh, I could move my business further more or my message isn't getting out, go back to these notes, it helps. Going back and referring something that can really transform the state of your mind, can change everything. So I'll invite you to keep these notes somewhere where they're visible. Now, then let's go to the flaws, right? What are the flaws that your clients will resonate with? And that's the flaws you wanna talk about. So sometimes what I've seen, and I'm not saying, it might be true for some individuals because of the way they show up, but sometimes it's not true, right? A lot of times what happens is when we talk about flaws, people think, okay, so you want me to go on camera and cry. And that's absolutely not true. But it is unfortunate that I've seen so many people do that, thinking that's the way to do it. And there's nothing wrong with crying on camera. I in no way want to disrespect that, but that's not a representation of flaws. You can go and cry on camera if you're emotional about something, but don't do it because you want to show a flaw. Because that's not the way to show a flaw. If you're emotional about something, if you get emotional while being a Facebook Live or on stage, it's okay to cry. There's nothing wrong with crying. But if it's manufactured, it's not gonna resonate with your tribe, so don't do that. But you do wanna know your flaws. So let me give you an example on how a flaw can be represented in a simple video that will allow you to actually build a bond with the tribe while representing your flaws, right? And then we'll get into how to find these flaws. Now this was the first time I was about to get on stage. It was one of those times where you freak out, everything in your body freezes and you are, you're cold and you're hot and you're annoyed and you're excited and you're scared and you're everything together, right? All the emotions that you can think about are happening to you while you're about to get on stage. The worst of it all is I had this problem of overthinking everything. So I'm not only thinking about what I'm gonna present, I'm also thinking about what if it, it fails? What if it doesn't work out? What if all goes to hell? What if it all goes to shit, right? And, and so I'm overthinking and I'm making scenarios. I'm thinking like, oh, if this will go to hell, then this is going to happen and then that's gonna happen and then my world is gonna fall apart. 
or then I make up another story about, oh, well, maybe this part will go okay, but then I'll mess up this other part and then that world will fall apart. And I'm thinking about all these different scenarios and different scenarios and different scenarios. And I'm freaking out more and more and more. I'm getting annoyed more and more and more. And I'm just like frozen in my bed, not able to wake up, not able to sleep. And next morning I have to make a presentation. It was getting annoying as hell. I couldn't sleep that night. I just couldn't because I just kept thinking about the different scenarios that might happen and why it won't work out. So I wake up in the morning, I rehearse again my presentation, I kind of pull myself together, wear my suit, get all ready, get on stage, present. Um, it, it goes okay. Some things go as I plan, some things don't go as I plan, some things seem to work out, some things not as, not as expected, like how it happens when you're making a presentation, right? Not everything goes as per plan, like how life is for that matter. Um, so I, I go through that whole process, I make the presentation, I'm off the stage, and then we get the results in line. The results are, are kind of 50% of where I needed them to be or wanted them to be. And I'm kind of disappointed. I'm disappointed and I'm like, oh, damn, now I've never been called back again on the stage and I don't think I did a good job and I felt really horrible about what I just did and I really was beating myself up. And then there's this one person that was in the room. This is a very famous speaker who just happened to just pass by just to see what I was doing. They, they knew of me before and they come in and after I'm off the stage and I'm like panicking with myself, sitting in a restaurant, getting a coffee, trying to calm my nerves down and, and deal with my own disappointment in myself, this, this particular wonderful human being comes up to me and says, Ajit, that was phenomenal. You did such a beautiful job. I was like, what are you talking about? Like I said, what you just did was phenomenal. You did a really, really good job. I was like, but... I sucked, like I didn't get the results I wanted, I didn't do this, I didn't do that, I completely forgot about the slide and I took the break at the wrong time and blah, 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 a million things that were going on in my head that I thought I had done wrong. And this wonderful human being goes, how did you do realize you're the only person who knows that you did all of those things wrong? So what do you mean? They went, well, from the outside looking at you, we thought everything was perfect. We thought you did exactly what you planned. It looked beautiful on stage and you made your offer and it looked pretty good and everything seems fine. But because you have your internal dialogue and you're looking from your expectations lens, you're looking at a completely different picture. We thought you were brilliant. You are overthinking it. You see, we all get in this boat, this boat of overthinking everything because our mental chatter, our inside chatter goes, well, you could do this better and that better and this better and that better. And inside what happens is because we have this, this really high expectation of ourselves, which is great to have. Sometimes that expectation makes us look at ourselves as really small. Sometimes we tend to overthink the whole process, overanalyze and over critique what we just did what we just presented what we just showed up as and and very often 
It's not what the world is seeing. The world is seeing the perfect you. The world is seeing who you are in the truest light that you can be. And yes, you can do better. You don't have to overthink it. You don't have to over-criticize. You don't have to over-analyze because what you just did, you presented, you showed up, you coached, you educated, you trained, whatever you just did was just perfect for your audience. For you, you got high standards. And that's okay to have high standards, but don't overthink it. Thank you. Thank you. How many of you have been on stage and can totally relate to that? Right? Yeah. True. Because it is true. But look at the room. If you just saw the number of hands, it was like 95% of the room. But it is a flaw that you realize. And this is a recent video. So this still happens with me, by the way. Like, I'll tell you a little story in a second. But the point really is there's a flaw. There is a representation. But it doesn't, doesn't take away from my credibility at any point but it does make me relatable as a person. Like, oh, here's the same fears that, that I have. And I, of course, work with trainers, people who are on stage all the time, or a lot of times, and so it makes perfect sense for them to go, oh, okay, that guy's like me too. He's got those flaws, right? And that makes me relatable without taking away from any credibility that I might have in context of the trainer. So you can present your flaws in a way where it actually elevates you, doesn't put you down in any way, and that creates that relatability between us and our tribe, right? The story that I wanted to tell you is yesterday after my presentation, I was talking to my team, and I can share this openly with you guys. I was talking to, like, not to my team, I was just walking and I was just talking, actually, first, first to my wife, who's sitting right behind live streaming this again. You don't have to, babe, it's like live stream from the main thing. But I was talking to her, like, babe, I think I sucked. I bombed, right? And she was like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I wanted to do this, and I wanted to do that, and I wanted to do this. And she's like, what's up with you? Like, you did the matrix, people got the value that you wanted to give. Yes, you can do better, but like, what the heck, right? So it still happens, and that's okay. But the point is, if you can present that flaw to people, it becomes easy for everybody to go, oh, okay, so he's not some unattainable goal. He's just a guy like me. So I can actually talk to this guy. Makes you relatable, makes you somebody that people can have compassion for. It allows you to really be able to connect with your tribe. So present your flaws in a way and present the flaws that builds that connection with your tribe. Not just the flaws for the sake of the flaws. The flaws must build connection with your tribe because you don't need your healing to happen in public. What you're only creating with your flaws or by sharing your flaws is giving permission to people to be okay if they have the same problem, right? And that builds a conversation. But if you start sharing things that are like totally unrelated, nobody can relate to it because that's your personal problem, you're trying to heal in public. And that's not fair because that's not going to allow your clients to be able to really resonate with you. Or for that matter, it's not going to serve anybody except maybe you. And that also maybe because you're trying to heal in public. That doesn't really work. You want to heal. You want to heal the way you need to heal. Go to a workshop, do a seminar, do a course, hire a coach, do whatever that needs to happen. Your flaws must be relatable. They must be able to say, I resonate with this person. I resonate with what they're saying. I have been there. Thank you for telling me. So now I feel that I'm okay too. So what is the struggle that you have or you have had that your tribe also have or might be having, right? And 
what is it that makes you not the absolute perfect? So you can create that resonance with your tribe. Now, how do you identify that? Go ahead and do this for about a minute right now, is go ahead and identify one of those things that are the demons that might be coming to your mind, or they're the things that you go, oh, these are the things that bother me again. Again, like for me, overthinking is one of those things that I overthink everything sometimes. So it adds value sometimes, but most of the times it's, it's not really valuable for me as a person. So. What is that demon or that bad thing or that flaw that you have that your tribe might also have? Let's write that down. Write down that flaw. And on the other column, I want you to write down how would you overcome it or how do you usually overcome it, right? For me, and the reason why we write how you overcome it is because that becomes your video. Or if it's a story that you can tell, for example, in this case, I was telling a story about somebody who is further in the journey of speaking, especially as a career, and I really respect them, coming up to me and saying, no, you were perfect. You don't have to worry about it, right? So that's my journey of me getting okay with me always feeling that I didn't do a good job or that I bombed. Writing that will allow you to be able to come up with the stories that you will tell, and that will allow people to have resonance. So let's take about a minute. Let's write down the flaws that you have, or you identify with straight away that your tribe might have as well, and how did you overcome it? So let's do the fourth one, which is basically what pisses you off. What are you against? And this will be a very easy to resonate with you because you've probably seen this video. So I'm not gonna play it completely. Mind Valley, and I am pissed off this week. Let me tell you why. Came across this article in the New York Times. This is from just a couple of weeks ago. Let me tell you what it says. It says, in Asia's fattest country, nutritionists take money from food giants. Know what is Asia's fattest country? It's Malaysia. I'm Malaysian. I'm filming this in Malaysia. Malaysia is where Mind Valley HQ is based, and I grew up in this country. And as I read that article, I felt sick. Sick because what the New York Times exposed is how government officials in Malaysia take money from food giants like Nestle and then are swayed to take what is essentially crap and market it as healthy food. I want to show you something. And some of you in certain parts of Europe might be familiar with this brand from Nestle. It's called Milo. Look at the box. It shows a guy doing taekwondo, which is a martial art. It's very popular in Malaysia. I studied taekwondo as a child. Now, the thing is, I was trained as a kid in Malaysia to take two to three glasses of Milo every single day because of advertising that said this made me better at sports. Then I read that article and I decided, wow, surely Milo can't be that bad. So I looked at the ingredient list. Let me show you something. This is a can of Milo and everything below this blue line, 40% of this can is nothing but pure sugar. In Malaysia, this is considered healthy. I wouldn't feed Milo to my child as a, as a recreational drink. It's 40% sugar. But the article in New York Times talks about some even more disturbing stuff. This is honey stars, right? Nestle paid the government hundreds of thousands of dollars to advise them on nutrition. As a result, Honey Stars, which is one of the highest sugar content of any cereal, gets a red sticker from the government, from the health body of Malaysia, saying this is a healthy choice. Sorry, unfortunately, I won't be able to play the full video, but I'm pretty sure you've seen this video at some point, right? And this video was basically... Vision realizing through an article going, oh my God, everything that we have been consuming as a kid 
or still is popular in the country is actually really, really unhealthy. It's mostly sugar. And that basically got him to say, hey, this is just unfair. Like, we are treating our kids wrong. We are treating the adults wrong. And the moment you find that thing, again, it doesn't have to be politics. It doesn't have to be anything that you're not 100% sure of. But in this room, for example, everybody, I think, in the room will say, that is crazy, that amount of sugar, right? Say yes. Right? That is crazy. It's unhealthy as hell. Why wouldn't you go to war for that? Right? Why wouldn't you go and disagree with that? Right? So things like that. Things that can be said, hey, listen, this is absolutely crap that this is actually happening in the world. And can we actually go out to the world and say, this is what we are against. It doesn't have to be anything related to your industry or the work that you do. It just has to be something that resonates and helps society become better, that moves society a little bit further, that moves society in the right direction. If it is in your industry, that's great too. But if it's not, it's absolutely fine. So what is it that you are willing to go to war for? What are you willing to be against because it doesn't serve the society? It goes against your fundamental values. A friend here, when he was writing his beliefs, said, hey, while I wrote my beliefs, I realized I know exactly what I'm against, which might be true for you as you write your beliefs. You might be like, of course I'm against this. This doesn't make any sense because my beliefs are fundamentally against that dialogue that is happening out in the world. So you want to find something that you're against. You want to be able to say, hey, this thing that's happening in the world or that thing that somebody is doing is just not fair. When you stand against something, it allows people who believe in that and believe that, yes, we should be against that, help rally behind you and with you against that cause. And that's a good thing because it moves the society forward too while creating your impact, while creating transformations. What did we talk about as of now? First thing that we want to know is always know the challenge and desires of your tribe, right? That's the way you want to communicate with them because that starts a conversation. First way to take your clients to an escalated path, training. Online training, offline training, something that allows your clients to actually experience a part of the result that you can promise them. Right? The point that we are really trying to see here is moving the line. Moving the line of what is good enough for the training or the experience that they have. Usually, when a trainer goes out in the world, usually the engagement is mostly, hey, pay me something, I'll do something for you. There is no conversation that happens before that. So we talked about conversations a little bit, but really what escalates the experience of a client is if they can really experience results and transformative results even to a certain degree when they interact with you. So one of the great ways and the easiest ways right now is to be able to present it through trainings. Another way is to be able to present it through books. Right? You can write a book or a white paper or whatever that is and already bring it out to your tribe and let them experience your thought process, your experiences, your, your journey and transformation, maybe a few exercises that allow them to be able to fully experience your work or at least partially experience your work that allow them to be able to say, hey, I like this person, right? Because once we have started the conversation with our flaws and our beliefs and so forth, they want to know more. You are a social activist, but at the same point in time, you're a teacher too, right? We are all activists in the nature of kind of work that we do in a way. And so, yes, that will come through in those videos and those presentations, but can we actually get them to move forward so 
then we have a better experience between us and our clients, right? Books is a great way. And lastly, is using social media to be able to transform those things. It could be lives. It could be the feeling that people get when they are interacting with you using social media. Again, this is not everything. This is a segment of ways you can escalate your client experience. All of your businesses are unique, and there might be other ways that you might be using to be able to escalate that experience, and that absolutely is okay. This is just some of the ways, and I want to give you some of the examples. For example, if you go through a training at Mind Valley, if you really think about it, when you sign up for it and the experience of it is nothing like you experience anywhere else. Right, if you've attended the Jim Quick Masterclass or any of the masterclasses that have come out on Evercoach or, or Mindvalley, they're very different experience. They're recorded differently, the worksheets are different, the experience is different. You actually walk away, even if you don't buy anything from that masterclass, with tremendous amount of values. You walk away with breakthroughs, you walk away with values, you walk away with so much value that you are in love with the person that made that presentation. Right? And that's what you want to see. How can you take your clients a few steps ahead? They don't have to get the final outcome that you offer, right? You're not going to get the same outcome that you get if you did the super brain quest in that masterclass, but will you end up a few steps ahead? The answer is yes, and that's the point of it, right? You want to see how can I take my clients a few steps forward. Remember yesterday we talked about developing theories around your business. We said, oh, you need to test and all those things and you will have some theories that you follow in your transformation practice. What you want to do is you want to break down those theories and see what is the small experience or a small result that I can offer to my clients so they will move one step forward, right? A step forward, a step forward. And you want to write them down as training ideas. So you don't want to think about one class that you can do. That's one of the other things that people make as a mistake. They think, I'll put up one class, one master class, one training, or whatever that is, and once I put that up, everybody's going to come. How many have tried that? Put up a class and hope that everybody would come? Say yes. Oh, very few have tried that. Anybody here has ever put a master class or an online training or a webinar or whatever you call it? Few of you have. Very few of you. That's interesting. That's an idea that you should explore. It's a great way to engage with your tribe and demonstrate what you do. Right? If you can put up a class online, it allows people to be able to interact that might not be in your current reality and be able to actually engage and see what outcome you can provide. And you don't want to do it once because what happens when you do it for the first time is never as good. You do it the second time, the third time, on the fourth idea, the fifth idea is when it gets better and better and better and better. When I started working on Evercoach, I was always the behind-the-scenes guy for Mindvalley, right? I was running the company. But as I said, okay, I want to transition. I want to be a partner. I want to start this new company. I started the company. The one thing that had to happen is I had to become the front guy, not the back guy, not the guy who was running the show, but the guy who actually was the show in some way. So what do you do? I'm great at writing how a webinar or a masterclass or a training should flow, but I've never really done it. Of course, at that point, I had never done it. Vision was the one who was doing it, right? So how did I prepare for it? How did I get better? I just decided that every single month, I have to do a class. Every single month. For about 12 to 18 months, every single month, I had made a training idea like this, and every single month, I would record a new class. And the only reason why I did it is because one of the best ways to get better at something is to do that thing and learn from what you made as a mistake, and then do it again, and then learn, and then do it again, and then learn, and then do it again, and keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it, to be able to say, now we only have maybe a class recorder once in a couple of months, because that's all we need, right? But you start with the idea of saying, 
how can I create that transformation with my clients in multiple ways? They can engage multiple ways, and that escalates their experience from just looking at you and your beliefs to actually going through an experience with you and seeing an outcome. Sounds fair? Say yes. Cool. Secondly is books. This is why we wrote the book of coaching and self-published it. We didn't even go into a publisher and say, hey, can you publish this book? We said, no, let's write this book from the context of saying that this will escalate the experience of every coach that is in the industry. So if you're a coach, you get this book for like five bucks or something like that, four bucks, something that's ridiculous. Like you get the book, the audio book, bunch of bonuses, this, that, everything. Why? Because it's not for me to make money. That's not a conversion piece. That's a conversation piece. I just want them to read the book so they can have the experience. They can have the outcome. They can move up the chain. Yesterday, if you were in the class that Nita did for you guys, where she talked about how you have to just find four or five ideas and then write the certain steps within those ideas, and that's how you have a book outline, that basically is what I'm trying to say here, right? If you didn't attend that session, find those four ideas and you can write a book. And if it's not a full book, it's a worksheet, it's a guidebook, it could be a white paper, it doesn't matter. Something that escalates the experience as a story, as the context, as strategies for the clients to go, oh, okay, that's what he's all about. Because also remember, some people watch, some people listen, and some people read, right? We have people of all types. Some people just read the book. Some people, some of you got introduced to Mind Valley because you read the Code of the Extraordinary Mind. And that was your first ever thing that you ever got of Mind Valley because you read. Right in our 10 seminars is why you came to Mind Valley. You might not have ever bought any Mind Valley product and have no idea what Superbrain is. And that's okay too. Because people experience things in different ways. You want to find what are the ways your clients need to experience things so they can escalate their experience with you. And lastly, the one that I want to talk about is social. Social in our lives right now is very reactive. We go, oh, what do I want to talk about today? Boom, let's talk about it. The problem with that is very momentary, it's very inconsistent. But if only you could change that conversation to say, hey, what is it that I want anybody who comes to my social profile experience? So for example, the experience that I've decided for my social profile is always uplifting, always motivational, inspirational, and strategies. So if you go to my Instagram account, my posts are long as hell. And the reason why they're long as hell is because there's a whole strategy that is in there. And because of that strategy being in there, the followers that follow me also have context of knowing that this account is always going to inspiring, motivating, it'll give me real-time things that I can actually execute. It's not just me at pretty places, sometimes it is, but that's because it's motivating and inspiring. But there needs to be a story, the reason why your profile exists and what it does for your clients. How are you escalating the experience of your clients? That's the same with my personal profile. That's the same with anything that you see on the fan page of Mind Valley, Evercoach, Ajit Navalka, Vishen Lakhiani, anything that you see. It's always motivating, always inspiring, always something that will give you a breakthrough. Because that's the experience we want you to have. So, a very, very quick take a picture of it, because I don't want Sid to kill me after this, is what do you want your clients to feel? Find out those three or four things that you want your clients to feel so your social profile is a reflection of that. Thank you very much. Have a fantastic rest of the day. And this is the Mind Valley Podcast.
If you like the Mind Valley podcast, take the next step. Become a Mind Valley member. Imagine being coached daily by the greatest teachers on the planet. How quickly would you transform your health, your mindset, your body, your relationships? How quickly would you double the size of your company? How quickly would you see your career grow? How quickly would you eliminate any limiting belief that's holding you back and manifest a life that you once thought beyond your dreams? When you become a member, you don't just get access to the greatest education in the world. You become part of a community of 150,000 of the most incredible people dedicated to personal growth. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash now to get started.